Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. You're listening to episode 28 of Star Wars Bookworms, your source for discussion and reviews of the all-new Star Wars releases from Dark Horse Comics, DK Publishing, and Delray Books, soon to be Disney, Marvel. I am your host, Aaron Goins, and I'm here with my fantastic co-host, who sadly is kind of under the weather right now, Teresa Delgado. Hey, everybody. Yep, I'm a little bit sick, but um, I'll plow through. Yeah. You sound okay, so you don't sound too bad, but... I'm assuming you're kind of forcing the voice. I am. I pretty much stayed mute all day, which okay. has been very entertaining. But um, we'll see how it goes. The sacrifices you make for Star Wars podcasting. That's what I'm saying, man. The beauty of Skype is you can't get any of us sick. <laughs> well, you wouldn't get sick anyway. It's just allergies. Okay. But uh, today we actually have a very special episode. We're not doing any book or comic reviews. We're just doing an interview with a an awesome Star Wars author. So with us today, we have the author of Star Wars Rebels, The Visual Guide, Adam Bray. Welcome to Star Wars Bookworms, Adam. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you guys. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. We're really excited about this interview. I know you've you've kind of been, I guess you could say you've been doing the interview circuit a little bit uh, because you, <laughs> you've had a book that's been recently released. But um yeah, I'm really excited to kind of ask you some questions that we've been thinking about. Um, but before we dive into any specifics about the books that you've written, I was just kind of curious about your, you know, kind of your personal story as far as Star Wars goes. Like, what got you into being a Star Wars fan? Sure, yeah. Well, um, I'm uh, approaching 40, so I'm uh, I'm old enough that I, I remember seeing the uh, the original A New Hope uh, at the drive-in movie theater. So I've kind of I've had a lifelong love of Star Wars, and uh, I, I remember seeing you know the Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi in the theater, and those long lines that uh, went around the block a couple of times where you. Back in those days, you had to get to the movie theater a couple hours early for for a movie like Star Wars. So, so yeah, I I grew up uh, you know buying all the Kenner action figures and uh, watching the the Ewoks movies and the droids and Ewoks cartoons. So, I've uh, I've had a love for Star Wars since an early age, and uh, yeah, I've just I've really enjoyed seeing. Uh, how it's evolved. I'm a big fan of uh, the Clone Wars and, uh, of course, uh, love the prequels. And uh, I'm excited about Rebels now and uh, Episode 7 and what's to come. You're actually the first one I've heard say they saw A New Hope at the drive-in. What was that like? <laughs> yeah, that's it's probably about the first uh, movie I remember actually seeing. Um and I'm not I'm not sure whether I was pay, paying full attention to the entire thing because I, I was pretty little. But I, I remember sitting in the back seat and uh, I remember uh, I remember the, the Jawas and the, the Sandcrawler um, and uh, that, that scene uh, towards the be beginning of the movie. And I remember the the tiny little speakers that were, you know, outside the car window and that the, the crackly uh, sound of the of the movie coming through. So it, it was uh, it was pretty cool. 
I don't I don't think I've been to a drive-in since since I was a little kid. I don't know if they still even have those. I'm not really sure if they do either. I think they have them around different places, almost more like a novelty at this point. But, yeah, I'd, I definitely have heard people talking about still going to drive-ins. I've never personally been to one. The only drive-in I've been to has been at Disney World, and it's fake. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your favorite way to consume Star Wars? Would it be in the movies, the TV show, books, or comics? Uh, yeah, I guess I would say movies, uh, but because they they happen so so rarely... Uh, and we've had so much of Clone Wars. That's kind of Clone Wars has been my staple for, you know, for so long. So yeah, but I, I'd say a combination of movies and the TV shows. Have you ever explored any of the uh, expanded universe with the novels and comics? I have. Um, I'm not as well read, probably as a lot of fans that are listening. Um, but uh, I've read I've read a few of the novels, um, particularly the the ones early on, the, the Tim- Timothy Zahn novels. Um, and I've uh, I've dabbled in uh, the the comics, the graphic novels, uh, more recently in the last few years. Um, with uh, the legacy, the the first first run uh, legacy series, and uh, yeah, a bit of uh, the old Republic here and there, and uh, j- just as I see things, you know, on on the the shelves at the bookstore that that interests me. So you said you are a fan of the prequels and the original trilogy. Um, which of the six films is your personal favorite? Uh, I'd say probably Return of the Jedi, ah. uh, and a lot of that's tied to um, s- sentimentality. I think uh, just uh, with how excited I was when uh, when it first came out, and seeing those first trailers as a kid, and uh, you know when when you're you're that young, you don't necessarily understand you know, how many movies there are going to be and if this is going to keep going. And I'm not sure whether or not I knew that, uh, you know, there there was going to be a Return of the Jedi. I mean, I, 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 I saw Empire Strikes Back and I understood that it ended on a cliffhanger. But, you know, I don't as a kid, I don't know if you if you necessarily always expect that there's going to be a follow up or maybe it'll just end there. Um, so but, yeah, I was pretty excited when Return of the Jedi came out. Well, you're in a, a good group here because that would be each of our favorite Star Wars movies is actually Return oh, of the Jedi. <laughs> so yay! <laughs> I'm a big I'm a big defender of all things Ewok. So oh, I love the Ewoks. <laughs> so, do you have a favorite Star Wars character or one that you relate to the most? Sure, that one's really hard because uh, you know I. I think as a kid and still an adult, you know, I cycle through the characters, you know, it, it probably depends on, you know, what, what I'm exposed to that week. Uh, so, you know, for instance, I just finished, uh, last night reading, uh, Ryder Wyndham's, um, new, uh, uh, Ezra's Gamble book. Uh, the, it's sort of a star, uh, star Wars rebels prequel. And, you know, that's got Bo- Bosk on the cover. So it's, no spoiler that that he's in the book and you know reading about him it's he's probably he's probably my favorite character for the week um but i think uh favorites included uh, the ewoks uh, particularly wicket uh i love jabba the hut i love a good uh, a scoundrel like that 
Um, oh gosh, R two D two, the Clone Wars. I, I love uh, I love those bounty hunters, Cad Bane uh, and Embo. Uh, I, I in Star Wars Rebels, I love Chopper because uh, of his personality, because he's a stinker. But yeah, it's it's definitely really hard for me to pick a particular favorite character just because it depends on what I'm reading or watching or doing. Well, seeing as how you've had a little bit more experience with Rebels than we have, do you have a favorite character from Rebels? That's really hard because the characters are all really great um, and uh, they're written well and what the actors do with them are really amazing. Um, but I, I would have to say I, I just love the way Chopper is written. Um, he's he's a real stinker. He's... Uh, <clears throat> he's he's just got a great funny personality he's hilarious the way he's been written so I, i'm gonna say he, he's my favorite character for the moment um but you know i once things get going i may cycle through the others as well so as a fan you know kind of from the beginning you saw the very first movie in the theater um and now we have these new movies that are coming out you know next year is the you know episode seven what are you kind of hoping to see from the new films? Like, what's what is something that you really need to see to make it feel like Star Wars? Right. Um, you know, I'm not sure that I have a particular litmus test uh, for that. I think, uh, you know, I'm I'm quite fond of, uh, like I said, uh, of the prequels as well. I think, you know, the Every movie's got their, you know, their their good points and and their not so good points, but there there's a lot of great things there. So I, I know a lot of people are they're looking for something, you know, that that's more like the the original trilogy uh, than the prequels. And they're, you know, everybody talks about practical effects and things, but uh, you know, I I'm. I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, the behind the scenes stuff and, and I f follow a lot how movies are made that really interests me. And I, I think it's just really a matter of how you use uh, how you use the the techniques. I think uh, like J.J. Abrams, um, his movie Super 8 was a great example of how, you know, coming up with something that feels like, a, you know, a Steven Spielberg uh, classic isn't a choice between uh, uh, practical effects and physical effects. It's it's just how you use them, uh, and he used a lot of digital f effects all through that movie. And it, you know, it still felt like you know an ET or a Goonies or something, you know, that probably all of us really love, uh, even though it's it's very modern. So as far as that goes, you know, it's I, you know, I, a mix of the the practical and uh, digital is fine. Um, but uh, characters, you know, uh, I hope there's lots of cameos, you know, I hope there's a ton of Easter eggs all throughout the movie, you know, that, that call, uh, call on, uh, the original trilogy, but, uh, other parts of Star Wars. Um, so yeah, I just want to see lots of characters and a great story and, uh, some great scenery and locations. Locations are always important, I think. Definitely. So for those of our audience that don't really know, how did you get into writing? I, uh, I started out actually as a, a travel writer. Um, 
I was doing uh, guidebooks uh, in Asia and overseas. Um, and uh, yeah, I traveled a lot and wrote about what I saw. And uh, one of my publishers uh, was DK, uh, who is the publisher of uh, The Rebels Visual Guide and uh, Star Wars What Makes a Monster. And uh, so, yeah, I uh, after travel writing, I came back to the U.S. and uh, got in touch with uh, just uh, the right editors at DK and kind of made the switch. Uh, but really, when when I started working with DK years ago, I, I kind of always had it in the back of my uh, head that, uh, you know, knowing that they make all these great Star Wars books for years now, that hoping sometime in the future I could uh, switch over to the, the Star Wars department. So you find yourself being maybe less of a fiction writer and more nonfiction? Um, I, I'd say definitely both. Um, a lot of what I've written is, is weighted, uh, probably the majority at the moment, is weighted towards um, nonfiction. But definitely I have an interest in doing both. I would... Uh, I would love to uh, be writing uh, novels and you know other other fictional stories. It's, it's something I definitely want to uh, get into. So the what makes a monster book is definitely geared more towards younger children. Um, right. How, how do you approach writing for younger kids different differently than you would a- approach writing for adults? Is there like a certain mindset that you try to get into? Sure. Um, well, this book. Uh, I was kind of fortunate. It's probably a, a little easier that way um, because it's it's for uh, older reading levels. So it, it wasn't that much different than writing uh, books for adults. Uh, mostly, excuse me, mostly it's just a matter of being careful about, uh, you know, vocabulary, uh, not using words that are, you know, too difficult. Although with Star Wars, that's kind of tricky because Star Wars has, you know, it, its own vocabulary anyway and I'm, I'm kind of amazed at some of the big long words that uh, end up in you know Star Wars kids books but the kids seem to do okay because you know they they hear that vocabulary when they're watching the movies and the TV shows and I think they, they pick it up pretty quickly um, but yeah with uh, I think uh, with the the younger you go uh, you know the the simpler the the ideas and the concepts you know and the the, the faster the story moves so it's it's just a matter of um, I guess simplifying things but I, I've got uh, a lot of experience a lot of friends um, that uh, speak English uh, as a second language uh, particularly from living overseas so there, I I feel like there's a little bit of commonality there between talking uh, to to my adult friends uh, that that speak English as a second language uh, and writing for kids because you you know you just gotta speak more clearly, um, be more concise uh, with your ideas and uh, not not use words that are too big. So when you were doing what makes a monster, were there just dis- to draw the line on what's actually considered a monster? Sure. Um, yeah, that uh, we were pretty liberal with uh, what we considered a monster. Basically, it was uh, anything that um, anything that was uh, non-sentient. Uh, so basically, it's it we considered all the wildlife uh, within Star Wars. 
Uh, so, you know, it'd be anything from, you know, the big scary rancors uh, down to, you know, the the funny little um, uh, Kowakian monkey lizards. So it, it, it covered the whole spectrum, good and yeah. bad. Yeah, I could see that. I guess it's just like I never saw a Tauntaun as being a monster, but I guess he is. I just never really. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's um, probably a little bit of uh, uh, where the wow things are as far as, you know, monsters aren't all bad. You know, (laughs) some of them are really friendly and helpful. The one thing that I noticed when I was reading it that I thought was funny, and maybe this information was already out there and I just never noticed it, but the fact that a sarlacc seems to have bones you have like a cross section kind of of a sarlacc and you can see like what looks like arms that stick out and there's like actual joints in the arms. And I never would have thought that a sarlacc had bones. Yeah, that was uh, something that I hadn't really come upon until I started uh, researching the book. Uh, but they had all these uh, original drawings of uh, what, what the sarlacc looks uh under the sands so that I kind of learned learned that myself as I went along I was surprised by that as well was there anything that you learned when you were doing um doing the what makes a monster book that kind of shocked you as a Star Wars fan hmm well I definitely did learn quite a lot um you know it's that that was one that that in itself was a surprise because being a lifelong fan and particularly of the monsters because um, I'm I'm a big biology zoology wildlife person anyway and so the, the monsters always appealed to me and I, I thought sure surely you know by now I'm I must know everything there is to know about these guys but as I started doing research, you know, and I, I consulted, you know, any, any books that I could get my hands on uh, about uh, creatures in Star Wars. And I'd re watch clips from the movies and uh, and even Clone Wars as well. Uh, and I, I was just surprised, you know, at all the little details that, that I really didn't know that I hadn't picked up or I'd maybe forgotten since I was a kid. Uh, and all the all the little hidden nuggets. So that in and of itself was a a surprise to me once I got going. Um, yeah, I guess, uh, and just how well thought out uh, some of the creatures are, uh, particularly their their back back their uh, backstories and their um, their their natural history of you know their their life cycles. Um, like I think. Uh, artist Terrell Whitlatch who uh, was a Lucasfilm artist and designed many of the creatures for um, episode one uh, and episode two and uh, actually her her creatures, her design concepts are still being used uh, in uh, as recently as the Clone Wars and I'm sure we'll probably see some of her unused creatures, you know, in future movies and, and shows uh, because she's done so many design concepts. But anyway, her um, in her wildlife guide, she uh, had worked out, uh, you know, the life cycles for all those uh, giant fish monsters on uh, Naboo. And I, I was just surprised at how 
you know, how intricate she she thought about that, you know, how they raised their young and laid their eggs and uh, their life cycles. And so that, that was pretty cool seeing and learning about all that. That's awesome. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, yeah. same as you, I never, I would think, okay, well, let's create this monster and they draw them out or whatever, but that's about as far as it goes, but I guess not. <laughs> Right, yeah, she's she's really amazing, Tara Whitlatch. Um, I don't know whether all the you know all the other artists at Lucasfilm go to these lengths, but she she designs their their skeletons, um, you know, and all their little bones and you know their anatomy inside their bodies to make sure that everything works right and is believable, um, and just you know gives. All of it that thought, but I think she she has a biology uh, background as well. I think um, yeah, I think she's she's very uh, into uh, you know wildlife and uh, and uh, natural history and whatnot. So I'm sure that's a big help, and that's that's why the creatures in uh, episode one are so great. I mean, nobody ever complains about the creature designs you know in the prequels because they are so amazing. So beyond writing Star Wars books, you actually do a lot of other interesting stuff. I was looking at your website, and it looks like you do a lot of world traveling. And did I did I see correctly that you actually discovered some like ancient temples in the jungle at some point? Yeah, yeah. I um, living overseas for so many years. Um, I you know all my free time I would uh, go out exploring. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I, I just get on a motorbike and go off into the countryside, uh, into the jungle, the little remote villages and things. It's kind of like, uh, if you've ever played a, you know, an online, uh, multiplayer game, uh, an MMO where you just, you know, pick an area on the map and say, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, spend the next few hours going off to that area and just explore it and see what's there. And that's what I would do. I would just, you know, find a place on the map, you know, a road or something that I'd never been and uh, just get on my motorbike and just go explore. And uh, so, yeah, uh, a few times uh, when I got poking around, you know, I, I ended up finding, you know, little temple ruins and things that hadn't been documented. Uh, so that, that was pretty exciting. It's Probably a little, a little bit risky do, doing that off in, off in Asia. Um, it's, it's not always the safest place, but I had a lot of fun doing it and got, got to write little bits about it for uh, some media outlets, kind of some offshoots of my adventures. That's pretty cool, actually. Do you have a, a place that you've traveled or visited that you found to be maybe really unique or your favorite? Um, well, probably, uh, my, my most recent love, uh, is, uh, New Zealand. Um, and, uh, just because of the, the beautiful scenery. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. So I've been to all the, the film locations and off to the Hobbit and movie set and, uh, got some friends, uh, working in the movie business over there. So I've, I've been to New Zealand quite a bit the last few years and, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful country. Did you ever do anything related to the Lord of the Rings? Uh, did you ever go and check out the sets or anything like that? Yeah, I um, 
I uh, I've been to the Hobbiton movie set uh, twice, I think, uh, where they um, after they finished filming uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, Peter Jackson uh, tore down uh, the the Hobbiton film set. I guess it was some contractual obligation. But when he decided to film The Hobbit, uh, they they came up with a plan to build Hobbiton permanently uh, as a tourism attraction. And so I I got to go see it uh, the first time right after um, right after they'd finished filming, or it might have been a pause in filming. I'm not sure. Uh, and so that was cool to, to visit it exactly the way it looks, uh, in the movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've been, uh, oh, lots of places. I've been through, uh, Tongariro National Park, uh, where some scenes in Mordor are filmed. Um, there's a lot of, uh, little bits, uh, in Wellington, uh, the capital in and around, uh, that, uh, that I've been to, uh, uh, the the Shire scenes where in Lord of the Rings where the hobbits are uh, running from the Nazgul, um, yeah, and there's there's some things in uh, the South Island as well. We uh, the guide took me to um, the forest where they filmed uh, bits of Lothlorien, and they they pointed to um, so I guess a, a rig that was up hanging way up in a tree. I guess that Peter Jackson and the crew had accidentally uh, forgotten and, and left uh, hanging there up in a tree. And it's you know it's it's really small. You'd never see it unless someone someone pointed it out. So that, that was pretty cool. But yeah, the the thing about uh, the movies they've filmed uh, all over the country. So everywhere you go, there's you know there's something cool to see from the films. That's really neat. I didn't know that. And I'm a huge Lord of the Rings and Hobbit person. So eventually I would love to go there. But, um, oh, you told me that too. <laughs> so <laughs> cycling back around to, because you're here to talk about the visual guide for Rebels. How did you get involved sure. in writing the visual guide for Rebels? Right. Uh, well, this was my, uh, my second uh, book for DK Star Wars. And, uh, you know, I'm, I still can't believe that I got to do it. I'm so, so amazed and incredibly honored. Um, I guess they just liked my, my work on the, the, um, what makes a monster. Uh, cause as soon as I finished uh, this, that was the next book, uh, that, uh, that, that we talked about. So yeah, it's just, uh, I'm incredibly blessed to have that opportunity. So can, for people that maybe aren't as familiar with the, the book, can you give us an idea of what type of information people can expect to find in the book? Sure. Uh, the book itself provides uh, an introduction to the TV series, and it, it lays a foundation. So it introduces you to uh, all the main characters, um, both the rebels uh, and some of their their friends and allies, and uh, the the villains like uh, the Inquisitor and uh, Agent Callus and a few of the others, and uh, it uh, it details uh, a lot of the the weapons and the vehicles that are uh, being used, and uh, some of the locations that uh, you're going to see uh, in this uh, first season, and. Uh, it, one of the things that, that I like about it is as an introduction and a foundation, it's 
I, I myself tried to be pretty careful. I, you know, I don't actually like spoilers myself. I like to, you know, when I see a movie or TV show, I like to see it fresh. So I, I wrote it with that in mind. You know, I didn't want to ruin, you know, ruin things for anybody. Uh, so I, I was careful about, you know, what I wrote about and how I wrote about it. And I'm sure, you know, if, Lucasfilm also they've got to approve everything so you know if I step over the line that you know they're going to put us back on the right side of the line as well um, but that in mind you know you also want to keep the book fresh and inter interesting and informative uh, and uh, I, I think we've uh, done that uh, and, and in doing that I think one of the strengths of uh, DK's format for their books is uh, all, all these uh, diagrams of uh, ships and all their their parts and how how they work and uh, the weapons and the the manufacturing details and a lot of little background uh, details that you really at least at first in the series you're probably not going to see on screen so it works really well as a supplement there's a lot of a lot of background uh, information and little details that uh, you're you're not not going to get so this it it makes it a, a valuable uh, a valuable uh, book uh, for the information that's in it. Would you suggest that people that are watching the show maybe get the visual guide and sort of go through it along with the show once the show airs? Kind of as like a companion to the show? Sure. Yeah, I think it. Uh, I think it works really well as a as a companion. Uh, I think there's there's no no harm at all in uh, getting it before the show as well, because uh, I like I said I don't I don't think it's going to ruin it for you. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say uh, get it now and uh, open it now or or go through it as, as the show begins. So with kind of with the the reset, I guess you could say of the expanded universe where they're starting the new canon uh, with Rebels and with this visual guide, I, you know, I believe would fall under that new canon banner. Um, did you do any research, you know, into the old expanded universe to, to get any kind of uh, inspiration on things to write? Or did you kind of leave that stuff alone and, and start with more of a blank slate? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely did a lot of research um, into the expanded universe universe um i started working on the book uh well i, I began the project uh, back in january um and uh yeah there because i did had to f have to fill in you know a, a lot of background stuff uh a lot of little details i i did do a lot of research uh consult you know and like i said i've I've you know read some some of the novels and some of the the uh, the graphic novels and comics uh, and I've seen all the TV shows and movies so I've got a foundation of of information to start so I have a pretty good handle on you know a lot of the main characters in in the EU and uh, some of the storylines so that that gave me uh, thankfully a, a good place to start and so yeah I did a lot of research um, into uh, books and so, some of the making of uh, stuff like uh, John Rinsler's uh, making of Star Wars uh, for uh, information and uh, yeah I, I pulled all of that in from the EU uh, in uh, you know getting inspiration for for uh, for some of the background stuff that had to be filled in so yeah definitely I think a lot of fans will be glad to hear that that 
you know, for books like this, visual guides and such that people are and authors are going back into the expanded universe and that it's not being discouraged, you know, to not go back into that time frame. Right. Definitely. Um, and, uh, you know, not giving any, uh, any, uh, spoilers away, but with, uh, this, uh, uh, writer Wyndham's book, uh, Ezra's gamble, uh, that I just finished reading and, uh, John Jackson Miller, you know, I've heard him talk that, that it, it's not that uh, Lucasfilm is placing, you know, anything off limits in particular that I'm aware of. Um, you know, the, all, all that material is, is still there to uh, draw from. Um, it's, it's not being thrown away. It's just kind of, you know, it's, it's just legends now, you know. So some of it, you know, may be true in part or, you know, or it may not. But the, but the material is, is still there. And I think... Uh, yeah, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure you'll see writers, you know, draw from it in varying degrees. And, they're, you know, they're going to discuss that with uh, Lucasfilm and, you know, work out, you know, how things will be used. But, yeah, the the material is, is there to draw from. Can you walk us through the process of making this book? You said you started on the project in January. Would that be this past January? Right. Yeah, this past January. Uh, yeah, it, uh, I, I, yeah, it's, uh, started early in the year and, uh, the, the thing about this, this book, uh, is I'm, was working on it at the same time that they're developing the series. Uh, so that's, you know, that's a, a unique challenge that, uh, only comes, you know, when, when there's something new that you're writing about. Uh, so the, the shows weren't finished. Uh, they, they were still, uh, you know, doing animation and, uh, I'm sure, you know, recording things. And so at times I had to, uh, you know, work ahead a bit on the book from where they actually probably were in the series. So I had to deal with, um, uh, a lot of, uh, concept art, uh, and outlines and, uh, scripts and, uh, some emails back and forth and uh yeah do, doing a lot of research uh, on my own uh to fill in bits and uh yeah we were worked up an outline and uh the publisher in uh, Lucasfilm uh uh discussed uh you know how to how to trim that outline and, and get it in shape to uh cover what what they wanted to and uh then it, it was just a matter of you know Picking out uh, the the characters and uh, ships and vehicles and locations and things we wanted to cover, uh, and uh, just just laying that out and uh, writing it and filling it all in. Uh, towards towards the very end, uh, when I thought I was about done, uh, Lucasfilm uh, got in touch with me and let me know that uh, I was going to have a chance to interview. Uh, Dave Filoni and uh, Simon Kinberg and Joel Aaron, and uh, that we would have a uh, a behind-the-scenes section of the book at the end, which uh, I think is probably fairly unusual for a DK book to have. Uh, but I was very excited about because it, it was kind of icing on the cake. I had been so excited, you know, to have all all this Star Wars material to you know to see the characters, to see the their their images and to to read scripts and things and but 
then at the last minute to, you know, get a chance to actually speak to uh, Dave Filoni and Simon and Aaron, you know, in personally uh, and ask them, you know, virtually anything I wanted to know about Rebels and uh, and how it fits in the, the greater Star Wars universe and uh, to talk to them at length. Uh, that, that was really, really exciting, uh, really thrilling. And, uh, yeah, I uh, just uh, uh, put that last... Uh, section together a, a little bit and send it off to the editors uh, but then uh, then uh, the the publisher and Lucas film uh, you know work out uh, you know the the last parts of the book and make sure everything uh, is in line and that uh, the book conveys the the you know the message fully uh, to to meet the vision uh, and then uh, just a couple months later it uh, it ends up on store shelves Earlier, you said that you were that you like to kind of avoid spoilers. Um, is there anything about the show now that you kind of wish you didn't know because you've seen the scripts and you're kind of like, oh man, now I know this is going to happen as I watch the show. <laughs> um, you know, that's a funny thing. Um, I think there's there's something about uh, being in, involved in in. Uh, you know, obviously, I I didn't contribute to the, the creation of the show in any way. You know, it's it's only the book, uh, but but nonetheless, be being involved and in, in seeing all these things uh, well in advance, I, I don't know. There there's something about the reward in itself that, <laughs> that that I don't I don't mind that personally. I think though, if I were a fan, you know, and and you know, not writing a book, you know, and just just seeing the show itself i i you know i'm i would probably feel differently you know for instance the the episode seven you know all the the photo leaks and things i you know i try to avoid those like the plague because because i i don't want to ruin the movie for myself but i think if i were actually working on the movie itself you know i wouldn't mind because you know i'm i'm part part of what's going on or if i were writing a book about the movie i don't think i would mind because i'm you know i'm part of part of you know what's going into creating that book so yeah i guess it's it's a little different just because i'm have some sort of peripheral peripheral involvement do you think there's anything in the visual guide that will surprise people um yeah yeah definitely (laughs) um some of the the references uh to uh to what was formerly, you know, expanded universe. I think that's going to surprise people. Um, and uh, there's a, a really cool uh, there's a really cool reference to a recent comic book uh, that I didn't actually even know that it was a reference to a comic book. Um, until uh, until I, I think I was probably done with the book. Um and and realized that that uh, I think is pretty cool, um, but yeah, there there's lots of little little details and uh, Easter eggs throughout the book that I th- I think will surprise people. The fun thing about it is because to begin with, you know, Dave Filoni and the team put so much thought, you know, into all all the characters in the story. I mean, they 
I mean, everything in the show, and I'm sure it's exactly the same way in Clone Wars, it's extremely well thought out. You know, there's, you know, histories for these characters and things that maybe we don't never even see unfold, you know, in in like the Clone Wars. But it was their histories were probably nonetheless, you know, written out in great detail. And they've they've just put it's it's kind of like, you know, Tolkien and Lord of the Rings, the way he put, you know, a, a. a large degree of thought into his worlds well george lucas and you know dave filoni and all of them have have done that as much as they can uh with with uh clone wars and and rebels so yeah there so we begin with that and then when i'm writing the book you know i i try to use my words you know carefully i i when i'm developing you know details and specs on uh, you know a ship or a vehicle or weapons or something i i try not to be careless you know in in what i have to write or invent and try to all give it purpose and you know tie it into uh, things that that fans uh know and will love so yeah it's i I try to make things as meaningful as i can and and in doing that i think uh it means that uh when fans read and then definitely reread uh the book they will they will find things uh, little hidden nuggets that they didn't realize were there. Now you have me really curious about the comic book reference. You're not going to tell us, are you? <laughs> nah, nah, you got to go look for it. <laughs> okay. Well, earlier you said that you know, kind of on the heroes side of things, you you found Chopper to be a very interesting character. Um, what about on the villains side? Is the Inquisitor kind of the standout in your mind, or were there other villains that you found maybe even more interesting? Um, I think for me, uh, the Inquisitor is, is probably the standout, um, just because, well, he, he's just so cool (laughs) and his, his lightsaber, uh, and, uh, just his, his look and design. And he's so, he's just so unique, uh, uh, and distinctive in, you know, in the way he looks, uh, uh, that uh, yeah, I think he he's just really cool. He he stands out. He's gonna be, I'm sure he's gonna be you know one of the the uh, signature villains of Star Wars. If you were given the chance to write more Star Wars, I'm assuming you would. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> would you want to do it just um, sort of like reference guides, like the visual guide, or would you want to do a novel and? Would you want it to stay in the world of like DK with, um, you know, kind of more children's based stuff or do something more adult? Uh, I definitely uh, enjoy uh, the the guidebooks and the the guide format, and I'm I would love to keep doing that. But I also definitely want to do uh, novels. Uh, definitely want to do, uh, you know, with. Both kids' books uh, and and adult novels is is definitely a direction I want to go. So if if there's a publisher <laughs> out there listening, I'm very versatile and I'm very very anxious. Uh, so yeah, absolutely, I'd, I'd love love to do novels as well. Well, thank you so much for talking to us today, Adam. It's been an awesome interview. Um, where can people follow you online or connect with you online? Sure. Um, I am uh, most active on uh, Twitter, so uh, listeners can follow me at uh, 
and author Adam Bray. And uh, I've recently uh, started uh, working with the, the blog team for StarWars.com. So uh, you can uh, check there. I've got a little little profile there, and I have I've got two two posts already, and I've got uh, more coming in the future. Well, we will definitely be reviewing the visual guide in September. Since it came out in August, we usually wait about a month. So we'll be reviewing it in September. And our next episode will actually be reviewing the comic book Darth Vader and the Cry of Shadows. So start reading it now so you can listen to our next episode. And as always, you can connect with us on Twitter at SWBookworms. Our email is StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com. We did get a few emails after Teresa asked for... Uh, emails in our last episode we did get a few so we will probably be reading those in our next episode uh, and we thank those of you who did uh, send us emails and you can like us on facebook um, go on itunes give us a five-star review you can find Teresa on uh, twitter and instagram at ice cold penguin and you can find me on twitter at ab goings and as always may the force be with you